hope you guys uh, can forgive me for using a stool. But uh, how many of you, I have an injury. But how many of you have uh, heard of the phrase, a fish out of water? A fish out of water. Anyone, anyone want to ex- care to explain that? What a fish out of water means? You're out of your element? Totally. That's, that's what I think of. Just like a fish who's out of water is out of their element, so to whatever get the given situation is, if you're out of your element, um, you're not in your zone, then you're a fish out of water. And uh, I feel like a fish out of water because I played Ultimate um, on se- yesterday. And um, I was sprinting. Well, I should have quit while I was ahead because I felt a little knot in my right hamstring. And when you're my age, or any age for that matter, if you feel a knot in your hamstring, you should probably, you know, take it easy. Don't exert yourself too much because that means you're tight and you could pull your ham- or strain your hamstring. Um, but I, stre- I, I took a point off. I stretched on the sideline and I rubbed it and I was like, okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, and then... So the very last point, we played a game to seven. Um, the very last point, it was in the end zone, and I was play- on D, and the disc was thrown to my guy, and he was headed to the side. And so I started sprinting to make a play on, on it, and something shifted, right? The muscles in my hamstring shifted, and all of a sudden, I just felt I was on the ground, and I was writhing in pain. And... Uh, they had to stop the game, and I was embarrassed. I was like, people were like, can we help you to the sideline? Can we carry you? I was like, no, no, I can do it myself. I can do it myself. I'm fine, I'm fine, which is my, a common reaction of mine when I get hurt or injured is, I don't need help. I got it. Just keep going. Don't stop on my account. And they're, you should stop. You should go home. And I'm like, no. I almost tried to like play the rest of the game, but they're like, no, you're done. And um, so I think I had like a, a strain my hamstring, um, a mild strain, but then this morning, <laughs> this morning I was getting ready for church, taking a shower, and you know, being the, being in a rush, I didn't dry my, the underneath of my feet, right? So I stepped in our room, which is a laminate wood floor, and I slipped, my foot slipped, my right foot, and it tweaked the hamstring again and made it worse. And I was on the ground. And I was like, ah, ah, ah. And Janice, Janice comes running and you're like, you've fallen and you can't get up. And I was like, no. <laughs> and so I'm writhing in pain. I was like, oh, I got to get to church. I got to get this gear. And so I put my clothes on. You know, I go to the car. And it's cold. It's been cold outside, right? So cold that there's frost everywhere. Right? And so we have this long walkway that goes to our home. It's like pressed cement. And it had frost all over it, but you can't see it because it's a light, it's painted light color, like peach. And I slipped again. My right foot slipped and it stretched it even further. And so... I yelled out. I literally yelled out, ah! And then I looked around. Are the neighbors watching? And I'm like, God, are you trying to give me a sign or something? 
right? The same hamstring, two slips, and it's worse. Um, are you telling me I need to slow down? Or are you telling me I need to stop acting like I'm 20 and just accept my age? Or what are you trying to tell me? You're just trying to stop. Do I need to learn how to ask for help? So all these things are going on in my mind. I'm having a like quiet time in that moment there while I'm writhing in pain. Like, what is God trying to say to me in this moment, in this season in my life? Um, but one thing I, I know, because uh, last night I was, you know, trying, doing what I usually do. I, we have a low table. I sit on the ground, cross-legged stuff, and I, I type and on my computer, and I usually have something else going on on the TV. And, um, and it hurt, right? My legs were crossed. And at first it felt good because I wasn't, it wasn't extended because they were crossed. Then when I got up to get a drink of water, it was stuck there. <laughs> like I couldn't move, <laughs> extend my leg. And I was like, ah! And, you know, my whole family thinks I'm a whiner because I'm like, Isaiah, can you get some water for me? Hey, Cameron, can you get that thing over there for me? Um, so being lazy and being hurt, but I feel like a fish out of water. This is all to say I feel like a fish out of water because I don't realize, and we don't realize, we take for granted how much we rely on our physical health, right? Or our legs, or our muscles, our arms and legs, our eyes, our ears. For me, my hamstring, just a, a hamstring, um, being at full capacity, being able to hold my body weight and being able to stretch out uh, to do all the activities that I need to do on a daily basis, I take that for granted. And when it's hurt, I feel like a fish out of water. I'm not as confident in my step. I don't sit and rest in the same way. I don't stand in the same way. I'm leery of reaching for something. I, don't, I wouldn't run as confidently across uh, frosty ground like I would if I had a healthy hamstring because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of pain. I'm afraid of it getting worse. I'm afraid of it not being there when I need it. And so I don't feel on solid ground. I'm a fish out of water. And I think we've all felt this in some way or another. It's a funny story, but we've all felt this in some way or another. Whether we're in transition or we've got a new job We've got a new house. We're in a new city. We've moved, right? People talk differently. There's a whole ethos and culture. If you're at a new workplace, they talk differently. They use different lingo. And for a while, you're a fish out of water, right? There's a learning curve whenever you're in a new environment or whenever you're limited in some way. And um, in the summers, I used to go fishing, trout fishing, uh, Holler Lake and different lakes around our house and go trout fishing and I, I remember catching the trout and one day just looking at the fish flopping on the ground right maybe I'm a little weird I'm having another quiet time like journaling <laughs> while the flip fish is flopping around uh, and it's gills right are kind of heaving right it's trying to get air. And the irony is, is there's so much oxygen, right? We breathe because we have lungs and because we have nostrils, because we have a respiratory system. We're able to somehow filter oxygen out of the air. There's lots of different gases in the atmosphere, in the air. 
And the air we breathe, we're able to pull out oxygen. A fish, right, breathes oxygen, right? A fish breathes oxygen. Fish breathes oxygen, but when it's out of water, it's, it's suffocating, right? And if, I were, if we were to jump into water and try to breathe and get oxygen out of the water, which a fish does so naturally, a fish does so naturally through its gills, we would be suffocating, drowning, swallowing water. We would be like a human in water. That's what fish say. I feel like a human in water. Um, but looking at that fish, its gills, its blank eye, its blank stare, right? Just flopping around, a fish out of water, a fish in exile, right? Out of its element. The air around it is, not, is toxic to it. It's heaving for life. It's breathing. It's desperate for life. And um, I just want us to kind of stick with that image as we continue. Let me read the passage. So we're in a new series, and it's called Song of Exiles. Uh, We're in the season of Advent. Advent is on the church calendar. It's the four Sundays before Christmas. Um, It's called Advent. And traditionally, it's a time where we as a body of the people of God, as a church, wait in anticipation for the coming birth of the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. We wait in anticipation. Obviously, historically, Jesus has been born, all of that. But it's a season in which we enter the rhythm uh, with the rest of the church of we're waiting, we're hoping uh, for the coming Jesus. And let me turn off the rotation there. Um, and so... Uh, there's the Advent wreath, and Brandon and Mim lit the first candle, which is a purple, traditionally a purple candle. And the first candle, the first week, symbolizes hope. Um, and so as Christians, we have a special kind of hope, the Christian hope. And when I say hope, right, hope is a dangerous thing, to quote Red from the greatest movie of all time, Shawshank Redemption. Right? Hope is a dangerous thing. Why is hope a dangerous thing? Because when you hope... You, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of incarceration, in the midst of being in darkness and things being hard, you still open your heart and believe. That's, that's hope. And I think that's close to a Christian kind of definition or notion of hope. Hope isn't just expectation. Like when you expect something, um, I expect, right, I expect my wife to have dinner ready. When I come home, I'm just, this is just a joke. Um, that expectation is never going to be met, right? <laughs> and what, an expectation is different because when it doesn't happen, what happens? You get mad, right? And it's, it's something that you put around a situation or circumstance. It's circumstantially based, right? Or it isn't just like uh, positive thinking, the power of positive thinking, right? Hey, you know, if it's down in the room, you know, we feel it's winter in Seattle, right? Gray skies, and we just don't have energy. We don't have enough vitamin D. And if I just walk in the room and try to will, right, excitement in this room. Hey, isn't it a great day? We're happy and hopeful. Woo! Right? Are you guys going to come with me? Right? 
That's not hope. That's just, shut up, Dave, right? Right? That is not hope. Hope is faith, love, an open heart uh, for a better future, for a better time, even in the midst of uh, down circumstances, even in the midst of suffering, right? We, we cling to truth, right? When maybe truth seems so far away or so far out of our grasp, that's hope, right? Hope. And it's, it's connected with joy, Christian joy, right? Christian joy is more than just happiness, right? Ha ha, I'm happy, happy, la la, right? Joy, you can be suffering and experience joy, right? Because there's something deeper that you're clinging to. There's something deeper inside. Are you guys with me? Amen? Amen. All right. So Christian hope, Christian joy. And um, I think to go back to the fish out of water, as a people of God, I think that's why sometimes if we're living as disciples of Christ, if we're living counterculturally, we can be fish out of water, right? Because we're clinging to something that's much deeper. We're clinging to a hope that's much different than the world can see or understand, right? What drives my life, for instance, if you're a person called by Jesus and following Jesus, you're driven by something much more than just money, or just success, or just image, popularity, whatever. The things that we commonly, of course I'll be driven by those things, because I'm human, right? And I fall short. But there's also something deeper, right? There's the belief that Jesus reigns, that Christ is sovereign, right? That he's working to make the world a better place, that he's hoping to reconcile people. And so when I have that vision and that hope, that Christian hope, I live differently, right? Amen? It makes me do stupid things. Right? When I, in my 20s, it makes me right, go into full-time ministry and hang out with college students, right? When that's like the prime time to be macking on girls, right, and finding a wife. I should have been making money, right, and driving my, you know, just thumping, right? and building my career, I was hanging out in Lander, right? And Haggett, and hey guys, being the creepy old guy. Hey guys, wanna go to a Bible study? Aren't you like 25, are you out of school, right? Being the creepy guy for the sake of the kingdom. (laughs) Don't quote me. (laughs) But do you see what I'm saying? It makes us do crazy things. And people are like, why? And I used to relish those, the, the opportunity of when people said, why? Why? Because of Jesus. Right? Because of Jesus Christ. Why are you helping me? Because of Jesus Christ. Why are you giving your money away like that? Because of Jesus Christ. Right? Why aren't you mad at me? Why aren't you firing me? Why aren't you not my friend anymore? Because of Jesus Christ. Why are you hanging out with me? Because of Jesus Christ. Right? Because we hold on to something different than the world holds on to, then we act differently. We act in crazy, stupid ways, and that's what makes us fish out of water. 
So let me read our scripture. It comes from Jeremiah 33, 14 through 16. And this is uh, the lectionary text. Uh, so this Advent season, we're going to follow the lectionary. We're moving out of the parables and going into the lectionary. And the lectionary usually has a, a gospel reading, a first reading, a second reading, and then a, a reading from the epistle. So there's four scriptures that follow the calendar. And I'm taking the, prof- the second reading, which is going through the kind of prophetic books and taking uh, prophet language, uh, prophet scriptures. So this one is from Jeremiah. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill my gracious promise with the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will raise up a righteous branch from David's line who will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is what he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. So just to give a little context and background for the scripture, Jeremiah 33. Um, In chapter 32, what's happened right before, if we were to rewind to chapter 32, Jeremiah, the prophet of God, um, is a prisoner in the courtyard of Zedekiah, the king of Judah at the time is Zedekiah. And the reason why Zedekiah uh, imprisoned Jeremiah uh, is because he couldn't stand Jeremiah's doom and gloom uh, prophecies any longer. He was talking about how now Israel and uh, Judah will be uh, conquered by the Babylonians, they will go into exile. Like, everything was, like, this down stuff. And Zedekiah was like, oh, my gosh, let's shut this guy up. Uh, so he puts him, he incarcerates him uh, with the hopes of silencing Jeremiah. Um, but then after this, Jeremiah does kind of turn it around. Um, and chapter, later in chapter 32, God commands him to buy a piece of land. Um, and then attached to that piece of land, God says, now, this is who I am. I am a God uh, of the covenant. I'm a God of promise. I promise to bring new things. I promise to bring new life after this suffering, after this captivity. I'm going to come in power and strength. So you buying this land, right, is an act of faith in that. And when you think about it, right, who would buy land, right, or property in, say, Detroit, right? Detroit five years ago. You'd be poor, right? Because there's a mass exodus from Detroit. The economy was tanking, right? You, you'd want to buy, you would have want to buy property in Seattle five years ago, right? When it was, you know, kind of at its bottom. Um, and now you'd be like, Woohoo! So people buy property, invest in property, buy land in a city or a place when things are going well, right? When, that, when there's hope or ex- economic hope and expectation that things are going to get better, the value is going to increase. If, it, if there's a downward trend, would you buy? Would you invest? No. And so I think this is God's way of saying, hey, things look down. Things look gloomy, Right? But I'm different, right? Do what I say. Do something stupid. Buy land in Jerusalem. Trust me. Buy this land because a few years from now or a long time from now, 
it's going to be really good. And so Jeremiah's kind of acting out of faith. Um, and then now we come to uh, chapter 33, and he gives this hopeful speech. Right? God is going to come. Right? God is going to fulfill his gracious promises to Judah and Israel. In those days, in the time that's to come, out of Jesse's line, there will be a new branch. Right? A new branch will sprout forth out of de- death and desolation. Um, and you will again call me the Lord our righteousness. Right? The Lord is our righteousness. God is a faithful God. God is a covenant God. Meaning God is a God who marries his people. Right? He creates covenant, a promise of covenant with his people. And he says, you be faithful, I be faithful. Right? Even when you're not faithful, things might be hard, but I will initiate again faithfulness. And I want, my ultimate desire is to bring back uh, our relationship to restore when things when we're not talking and things are kind of tough right I'm going to initiate again to bring back new hope new life um, this week I was trying to uh, teach Isaiah some lessons right and I, I'm not sure if he understands them I get a little too deep and stuff like that but I think he got this one I was like you know, when we relate to people, when we talk to people, we can either build bridges between us and them, or we can build walls, right? And he's like, okay, okay. And I was like, our words and our actions, they make a difference, right? We can speak words and do actions that make walls, like when you scratch Tiago at soccer practice, right? When you argued with him, that's a wall. He's like, yeah, that's... Or actually, he offered that. Like, when I scratched Tiago, I'm like, yes, that's a wall. Or you can build a bridge when you say, hey, you want to play with me? Or you want to play with my toy with me? That's a bridge. So sims are about building bridges and not walls. He's like, okay, I get it. Right? And so that was my way of getting him not to argue and beat up his friends anymore. And, uh, um, and I think it's going to work. But um, so God is a God who builds bridges with his language, with his actions. He continues to want to build bridges with us and not walls. And it's us who put walls because of our, because we run away, because we're unfaithful, because we chase things out of our own, we think we know better, um, we trust in other things, we trust in ourselves because of hubris, pride, because, because the collective, when we get together, we do stupid things, human beings, right? And group, human beings and groups do th- bad things and, and dumb things to each other and to other groups. Um, and because of that, we build walls but God wants to build bridges. Amen? So in chapter 33, we're, giving pro- we're given promising words of restoring fortunes of God's people uh, as a fulfillment of every promise God ever made. And this means, I think this means so much more coming out of the lips of Jeremiah 
given Jeremiah's captivity and his own suffering. In the midst of being held captive in the court of the king, he's offering words of hope. Right? In the midst of being in darkness and in chains and not free to go out. And the armies of Babylon are surrounding Jerusalem. Right? In a few years from now, Jerusalem will fall. And they will begin, the Babylonians will begin deporting um, Jews from Jerusalem to, to Babylon to live in exile. Right? They start deporting them out. And they live in many year, for many years in exile. And this is already starting to happen. Right? So in the midst of this impending doom and darkness, uh, Jeremiah is called to speak truth to speak God's words of hope the Lord is our righteousness and if you think about it our world in so many ways is held captive in our world there are people experiencing national shame there are people experiencing exile there are people that are being deported there are people that are being incarcerated in our world, for us, our personally, right? There's so many things that we are going through. Um, and it's hard because of social media, right? Whose suffering is more, right? If I talk about Paris, you know, there's Kenya, there's Beirut, there's right, Syrian refugees, right? If I, we talk about our own country, you know, there's children's being, children being exploited, right? There's... there's kids being shot in the streets. There's so much suffering. There's so much hardship. There's so much reason not to hope. Right? There's so much reason to be like, oh man, how can we hope? Right? And I think this is true as a church that we have a different perspective. Right? When we think about Christmas, right, the market thinks about Black Friday, right? And not only is it Black Friday, it's Cyber Thursday or Cyber Monday and pre-Black Friday Thursday, right? Or online technology Friday. People look forward to this. We get excited. I get excited about eggnog and presents and lights and white Christmas. And after Thanksgiving, I get to sing Christmas songs, right? I, turn, I can actually listen to Spirit 105.3 because they have Oh Holy Night. And I like to listen to every single rendition of Oh Holy Night. Mariah Carey, Celine Dion, right? Whitney Houston. Oh Holy Night. And I just sit there and tear, tears come down my eyes because of my favorite, right? When man felt his worth. Fall on your knees, right? The greatest song ever written. And Santa Claus and giving presents. And getting presents. We get excited, excited, right? But in all of this excitement, some, sometimes it's just gross commercialization, right? It's marketing to drum up happiness, jolliness, right? Yay, 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 be happy so we can get your money. And Starbucks, not only do you have your regular choices, which confuse you, now you have praline... Pecan praline, berlay, or whatever, pumpkin spice latte, right? Peppermint mocha latte. 
And now you can get them in sugar-free. So I'm like, oh my gosh. This kind of riled up happiness, this riled up spirit, right? It's not, it's not complete without the hope of Jesus Christ, right? And the birth of the child, the savior of the world in the manger. Because Jesus takes the suffering of the world on his shoulders. He takes into account the cries of people's heart. We don't, it's not a nuisance when people are protesting or people are crying out, oh, you're, you're being a downer. Grinch, you're being a Grinch. You're stealing Christmas, right? We, you can't move forward into joy and to hope without first taking into account real suffering, right? And we've talked about this before, right? The path, we are a community, the Renew is a type of community that doesn't like to sweep things under the rug, right, and put on a happy smile. Hey, we all like each other. We want to take, uh, we want to be real and authentic by recognizing that, yeah, sometimes I feel meh, right? Sometimes I don't want to be here. Sometimes I'm not feeling good, right? And the, sometimes my neighbors aren't feeling good, that's for sure. Right? And people are hurting out there, that's for sure. So we're not just going to sing joyful, triumphant songs just because. But we're going to take into account all of those things, and then sing, yes, God is good. God is true. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. We are real, people. Let's, get, let's take back Christmas. It's the Advent conspiracy, right? First of all, it was a conspiracy to take away Christmas, but we're doing a counter-conspiracy to get back Christmas to what it's supposed to be. We are a people that wait in anticipation and hope for the birth of Jesus Christ to bring hope, love, and joy to a world that's hungering and thirsting for Him. Amen? Amen? Right? We are waiting for the Christ, the Messiah. We aren't waiting for the Surface Pro 4. <laughs> Even though I want it so bad. <laughs> so, uh, this is one of the reasons why I called uh, this Advent series Song in Exile. Right? We are people who know how to lament. Right? We know how to walk with people when they're not being so happy, when things aren't going so great. And we are people that understand exile. Right? Maybe we don't understand it as deeply as some people are experiencing it as deeply now as people have. But we know. Right? A lot of us grew up in immigrant homes. I'm a second generation. I grew up in an immigrant home. And me and my friends joke about, that's the immigrant life, right? Because we went on my friend's boat. Uh, this is a side story. <laughs> He's got a nice Lake Washington, a nice boat. But we caught crab, and we cooked it in a pot right there and ate it. It was like, that's the immigrant life. <laughs> you still got that dirt in you, right? <laughs> Threw some kimchi up in there. Made a stew. That's the immigrant life. <laughs> right? We, we have that. Right? Our parents, some of our parents suffered hard 
right? And went from being doctors and engineers and highly educated people to do dry cleaners and run stores in this land, right? Some of our parents, you know, gave up, every, all of our parents gave up a lot for us, right? To do things so we could have a happier life. But we know, we all have, in small ways, know what it means to be an exile, right? To be a fish out of water. <coughs> and you're that fish and the gills are like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe in this place. God, I can't breathe. How do we wait and hope as we are in exile? We live in a culture that sucks at waiting. I remember when computers used to be on the dial-up modem, and I was like, internet is so cool. And to get on the internet, you'd, that, you'd hear the computer go, right? And you're like, yes, yes, right? Right? Now I'm like, don't give me any internet less than 30, right? Less than 30 gigs, right? Even if it's like buffering, right? Netflix is buffering a little bit. I'm like, ah. <laughs> I want it now, right? Then you just think about the days, <laughs> right? Waiting for the next page to come. We've gotten so impatient. We suck at waiting. Right? Faithful waiting is the most countercultural thing we can do. It's active patience. Even when things aren't going right, we have a deeper hope. We wait. We lament. We, we cry beside other people. Uh, Kenya, Beirut, Paris, Syria, Chicago. There's so much hunger, loss, violence, estrangement happening in the world. Um, but Advent is not about drumming up happiness. But it's about true hope. And true hope grows in waiting in the midst of suffering. Our scripture embraces hope and anticipation in the midst of national shame, exile, and suffering. God works humanity through the people of God to bring about this time of salvation and safety, right? God is bringing salvation and safety. Um, God works through us, the people of God. Don't just sit and wait for God to bring it. This is an invitation. The scripture is an invitation, right? The days are coming, right? So live in that hope, with that hope. Right? With your words and actions, make bridges and not walls. Right? I know, you guys, words can make a huge difference in a whole room, in a whole workspace. Right? Have you ever been in a workspace and it's just down? Everyone's in their cubicles. It's isolated. Right? You can make a huge difference by a simple act of love right? or a positive word. 
with Jesus in it. This is an invitation for us to be that righteous branch of David. Let's bring it up. Let's pray.